Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Today's episode of the About Last Night podcast is brought to you by HelloFresh. Whether you're a busy professional couple, a large family that runs a super fast-paced life, or even someone who just wants to start cooking more, HelloFresh makes it easier, tastier, and healthier than ever before to enjoy the experience of cooking new recipes and eating together at home. From creating the recipes and planning the meals, to grocery shopping, and even delivering all of the pre-measured ingredients, HelloFresh delivers right to your door which is great for me because I don't like leaving my apartment to do anything that's not comedy related. You can skip the trip and have it all brought to you. HelloFresh is the meal kit delivery service that makes cooking fun, easy, and convenient. For somebody like me, it's perfect because I don't like to cook a lot. And when I do, I want it to be easy and you know not take a long time because I'm always on the move. Each week, HelloFresh creates new delicious recipes with step-by-step instructions designed to take around 30 minutes for everyone, from novices to seasoned home cooks, short on time, to somebody like me who just makes soup and Pop-Tarts. HelloFresh sources the freshest ingredients, which is big for me and should be for you because fresh ingredients is how you should be living, healthier, measured to the exact quantities needed so that there's no food waste. HelloFresh also employs a full-time registered dietitian on staff who reviews each recipe to ensure it is nutritionally balanced. All this shit is delivered to your doorstep in a special insulated box for free. I already got my box. I got to be honest, it was crazy how well packaged everything was. Still so fresh. You know, it was on my doorstep for a couple days and everything was was perfectly intact. And, uh, and you know, which is why we're uh, letting them uh, be a sponsor. Because they're the shit. And we only want to throw stuff at you guys that we, uh, that we back. And HelloFresh is that. Now, if you want... To start your first week of deliveries and get $35 off that, visit HelloFresh.com right now and enter ALN when you subscribe. And you can start eating healthier, smarter, tastier, and more awesomer than ever before. That's visit HelloFresh.com and enter ALN when you subscribe to get $35 off your first week of deliveries. That sounds great! That's because it is, guy who just came into my apartment with a weird voice. And now enjoy a brand new episode of the About Last Night podcast with Brad Williams and Adam Ray. Hey everybody, it's Adam Ray for the About Last Night Podcast. Happy Monday! It's Monday! Time to start another week. It's Monday! Tuesday's tomorrow! (laughs) Oh, it's actually not a bad song. It's Monday! Wednesday's in two days. It's Monday! Thursday's after that. It's Monday! Tuesday's tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you for listening to the podcast. Wherever you are, wherever you get the podcast, Stitcher, iTunes, your Android or iPhone podcast app, uh, we appreciate the love and support. If you haven't given us a five-star rating yet or commented on the iTunes page, do that right now. It takes two seconds while you're listening to the intro. Do it. Click the fifth star. Comment on the iTunes page. It helps us climb the charts. And uh, we appreciate the love and support. I uh, had some great shows this weekend in Brea. Thank you to everyone who came out. Amir K., uh, my Mad TV cast member, and I uh, co-headlined the Brea Improv for the first time. So much fun. Been at that club so many times over the years. It was great to have you guys come out. Carly Craig and Piat Michael came down from Mad TV, did some guest sets. Just a great weekend. Um, my boy Avery Pearson came down. We did some music. 
Uh, Avery, of course, uh, will be joining me on the road for a bunch of my tour dates, uh, doing some musical improv uh, at the end of my headline sets. So uh, if you haven't yet seen that, uh, check all my tour dates at adamraytv.com. I'm coming up soon uh, a bunch of places, which I'll get into uh, towards the end of this intro. Um, but we met uh, at the Bray Improv this weekend, or I met, rather, uh, the newest ALN Fan of the Week from Bray, California, for my shows at the Bray Improv, Trey... I don't know your last name, but I met you and your dude Mike after the show. You were the coolest. Uh, big ALN fan, says she listens every day. Could not have been sweeter. We hugged. We talked pod. It was the it was the best. So email um, aboutlastnightpod at gmail.com with your address, and we'll send you some ALN merch and goodies for being a dope, uh, a dope fan. So thank you for listening. We've had so many great episodes in the last few weeks with Wayne Brady, Jason Derulo, uh, a couple of Mad TV cast members coming up in the next few weeks. But today's episode is a guy you, whose name you you may not recognize, but once you look at his body of work, you're like, oh, cool. So he's one of one of the uh, legends of comedy. I'm talking about David Steinberg making his ALN debut on the podcast. Uh, David Steinberg has been on The Tonight Show 140 times. The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, which is second only to Bob Hope. He was the youngest person... To ever guest host The Tonight Show for Johnny Carson. Uh, he's directed episodes of Seinfeld, Mad About You, tons of Curb Your Enthusiasm episodes. And, I mean, in this episode you'll just hear how beloved he is, how long he's been around. He has a show called Inside Comedy on Showtime. He had another show on TV Land called Sit Down Comedy in which he would interview the biggest and best comedy stars um, from Mel Brooks to Larry David to Robin Williams to Tina Fey to Will Ferrell to Jim Carrey. The dude is just a juggernaut. He gets comedy. He stayed relevant. Uh, he told us about amazing Johnny Carson stories. Uh, just Sunday afternoon hangouts with Mel Brooks, Jeff Garland, Larry David, uh, Bob Newhart, Bob Saget. He shared some great memories uh, about uh, his friendship with the late Robin Williams. Uh, we got to do this episode uh, from David Steinberg's house in Hollywood. It was kind enough to have us up there, him and his his wife, Robin. Couldn't have been sweeter. It was such a fun conversation. If you love comedy, you're going to just love this episode. It's, it's filled with great insights, great stories, and a lot of laughs. Um, so enjoy the hell out of this one. And follow David on Twitter at David underscore Steinberg. Follow me on Twitter at Adam Ray Comedy. Follow Brad at Funny Brad at Alien Podcast for the podcast. Instagram for David Steinberg is also at David underscore Steinberg at Adam Ray 33 at Brad Williams Comic at Alien Podcast. All on Instagram. Tour dates coming up. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm starting to hit the road hard. Uh, this weekend, uh, October Friday, October Friday, October 7th and 8th, Friday and Saturday, two shows each night. I'm at the La Jolla Comedy Store in San Diego, California. La Jolla, so nice down there. Can't wait. Bring in Avery Pearson, bring in Sandy Danto. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Come see me uh, Friday and Saturday at the La Jolla Comedy Store. Tickets at AdamRayTV.com. Uh, and then I'll be doing a lot of L.A. shows uh, in town, Laugh Factory Improv, Comedy Store. And then the end of October, October 28th and 29th, I'll be headlining the Flappers Comedy Club in Burbank, California. October 28th and 29th, two shows each night. Get your tickets at AdamRayTV.com. Of course, in between there, Brad and I will be hitting the New Kids on the Block cruise uh, the third week of October and, and podcasting from there and, and coming back with stories, no doubt. Uh, Brad Williams, October 7th. And eighth, we'll be in Des Moines at the Des Moines Funny Bone. Get your tickets at funnybone.com. See Brad Williams October 7th and 8th at the Des Moines Funny Bone. And then October 13th 
through the 16th. Brad is in Albany, New York at the Albany Funny Bone. Go see Brad in Albany, October 13th through the 16th. Tickets at funnybone.com. David Steinberg also has his own podcast called the David Steinberg Podcast, which you can find on iTunes, so check that out. He interviews Robert Klein, Mel Brooks. Uh, you know, if you love this, this interview with David, check out his podcast. You'll love it even more. Of course, all your ALN merch is at astoymerchandise.com, E-S-T-O-Y merchandise.com. Get your hats, shirts, mugs, posters, stickers, all your ALN goodies. Bring them to the shows. We'll sign them. Uh, it's always fun to see you guys live at these shows. And Brad and I are both on the road a bunch uh, taking us through the holidays. So come out and see us. All your ticket information, adamraytv.com, bradwilliamscomedy.com. So many great episodes coming up. I don't want to give uh, away too many hints, but we locked in a few killer guests coming up. And one in particular who is my favorite actor of all time. And if we get him, it's going to be bonkers. And I think it's going to happen. That's all I'll say. Now that we got the tour dates out of the way and the Twitter handles and the merch info, sit back, relax, and enjoy a brand new episode of the About Last Night podcast with the one and only David Steinberg. Well, the weekend's over, so it's time to chat about it. Got a midget and a Jew, so why don't you sit down and listen to a dope podcast during lunch, dinner, or breakfast. Brad Williams and Adam Ray are here for you any time of the day. So come on and treat yourself right. It's about last night. Great opening story because the title of this podcast is "Fuck George Lucas." So this is actually what a great opening story. The untold story. Right. Give me the names of you guys. Brad Williams, yeah. Adam Brad, Ray. Brad and Adam. Yeah. Yep. Got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's confusing. Okay. So yeah, some people. So, so uh, we've had a lot of people listen to this podcast and they and they write in and they go, "We, we can't tell." When one stops talking oh. and the other starts, because yeah, our voices, I guess, are both pretty like uh, yeah, the timber is the same. Yeah, mm-hmm. like uh, we had um, uh, Jeff Garland uh, on um, not too long ago, and uh, and he was like, the only way I could differentiate is by size. <laughs> <laughs> there we are, different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there yeah. we are, dramatically different. Yeah. That's, that's a good job. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, yeah, he's just one of my favorites. Have you known Jeff a while prior to Curb? I did. Yeah, I did. I gave him his first acting job at Mad About You when he came to town. Whoa. Chicago and, uh, oh, he's a Second City guy. Yeah. I'm a Second City guy, so. Uh, I, I, I hate saying this, but can you hug the mic a little more? There's, sure, there's, yeah, sure. There we go. Okay, Perfect. we're on? Okay. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're going, yeah. Okay. We just kind of go yeah. into it. Talking about Jeff Garland. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, I, I directed him in Mad About You, mm-hmm. and of course I knew him from Second City, and, uh, you know, and he really at that time no one knew him, yeah. and uh, you know he, he just was, you know he just got the job at uh, Mad About You, was very excited about it. It was a little job and all that, and uh, you know I I introduced myself. Of course, he knew who I was. I knew who he was, yeah. but we hadn't been together, and from then on. He walked around like he fucking owned the place. <laughs> He's got some swagger he to him knew, for sure. Hey, hey, give me some coffee. And, uh, 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 and he had a, you know, three lines. <laughs> what a powerful co-star move. No kidding. Yeah. I mean, they say act like you belong there, but yeah. yeah. 
but he's a very supportive guy to comedy people, especially. Oh, yes. could not yeah. be sweeter. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he threw me a little part in his Netflix movie, and oh, just great. based on after the podcast, and then we would see each other on the comedy store a lot. Yeah, and uh, he's like, "I'm doing a detective movie. Yeah, you're gonna play a part." <laughs> just told me I was gonna do it. Didn't even say like I might try and find yeah. something. Said, and yeah. of course, you know, I do. I think what most people do when when you don't know someone fully yet, you go, "Oh, well, that yeah. seems like a nice thing to say," yeah. and and yes. we'll see It'll if that probably won't go. Yeah, probably won't yeah. lead anything, yeah. but. Yeah, for for Jeff, it did. It was a. Uh, I'm assuming you know, and I. Curb is this is this is a big treat for many reasons, but Curb is my favorite show yes. of all time. That's yeah, good. So yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you're incredible, okay. and I I will try to not uh, uh, harass you too much about it. But well, that's why I'm here. It's my least favorite show of all time. <laughs> Just to balance it out. Well, but in talking to Jeff about it, I'll say a little bit, and he was you know he ran his uh, movie um, similarly as far as like you know obviously having a script, probably more so having a script than what you guys do on Curb, but the freedom and yeah. and amount that we were able to improvise and and uh, on every take was pretty spectacular the, this uh this this new script yeah that, that uh, the, of the new show yeah uh i i would say it'll be our best season oh my that's God. how how well written it is yeah uh, i'm uh jeff did the first not jeff garland but uh jeff writes with us yeah mm-hmm. uh, and and i'm doing the second show so i've just got all the beats of the second show it's unbelievable oh, wow. how people are going to go nuts for it. All their favorites are back. It's not at all like years before, yeah. but moving forward, which is, of course, what Larry David would do. Yeah. And it's so well written. Now, and now remember, when it's written, it's not written. Right. right. It's a guideline. <laughs> yeah, it's the guideline and it's tweets. Yeah. And, of course, now we know how to do it. When, right. And But I, I love that... I mean, A, for people who don't know what we're talking about, Kirby Enthusiasm sure. is coming back. Sure. Oh, my God. And <laughs> I love that even though it's coming back and, he, and even though the show is is established, you are talking to us about these scripts and you're still lighting up. You're still like, this oh. is so exciting. This is so fun. Well, first of all, we're all very good friends. Yeah. yeah. So, you know. To get to hang out in that environment oh, again. It's just wonderful. Yeah. yeah. And the writers are amazing. And, and we, you know, we know each other's families. And we're used to working together. Yeah. So it's just a treat. Do you no think, question. Do you think taking the break that uh, you guys did from it contributes to maybe having w- where the stories and beats are coming from? I, I would say that before, I, I thought it was a bad idea. I thought we took much too long, mm-hmm. big a break. I don't know if people really remember those things. You know, I have so many Great cultural theories, and they're all wrong. <laughs> they sound good if you're talking at a cocktail party, sure. and you know. But, but, uh, but this, this, uh, the writing of this season, the new season, is mm-hmm. uh, spectacular. It's and great. This is, uh, it's a lot of Larry and the writers. Oh, said- Larry, Larry writes. Yeah, Larry is the head writer. Yeah, and all the writers are great, and uh, the cast. They bring back everyone's everyone's favorite is wow. back. Wow, I I I, 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 love, I, I, I hesitate to say yeah. even more. No, than, of course, and no, that's, that's okay. Not, what you, you said is to, enough. To, we're all going to be watching anyway, and yeah. it, it's kind of like that thing with magicians where you want to know how the trick is done, but you really don't want to no. know how the trick yeah. is done no. because then it kind of ruins it for you. You've yeah. been rubbing the dick on the outside of the pants, so you haven't put it all the way inside <laughs> yet. That's, that's exactly <laughs> how my grandma said it. Uh, exactly how she said it. <laughs> 
But I love the fact that you guys came back not because obviously like you you have to or so and so is going through a divorce so he needs money like 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 not that one. It's because you want to come back. Absolutely, it's, and, it's, and you know we're we're a community of friends. Yeah. So we're really good friends. You know, uh, Larry, David, and I, and Robin. Dance and Mary Steenburgen. and we're yeah. all we're all we see each other, yeah, and have a good time, you know. But uh, but Larry David is, you know, Neil Simon is regarded as one of the best. Gary Marshall, one of the underrated yeah. best comedy writers ever. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but Larry David is up there in a thin air that is unbelievable. He goes his own way. He gets a vision. He's collaborative. But doesn't give you something just because you're a nice guy yeah, right. or a nice person. Right. And uh, I, I think this this year is going to go for people like us. Yeah, it's going to go through the roof. Now, will you also will you also um, jump into your uh, old habits as far as like like I was listening to an interview with you about uh, the back and forth with Larry and I uh, with Larry and you on. Um, you know, certain uh, story or just beats in general. Like uh, I think it was in, in the um, Mary Joseph and Larry episode with the yes. uh, uh, him yes. choking on the pubic hair, yeah, and how yes. m- how much back and forth there was with you guys on it, and and how much you were to say like, well, maybe on the second take we'll do it, and then he would say, no, yeah. I really think I want to do it in every scene. No, I, I show you how wrong I was. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought, why do the pubic hair when we have a such a satirical yeah. version of. A, a Jew's eye view on Christmas, <laughs> you know, and two, and jaundiced Jews yeah. like us. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and every, every instinct that he has almost all the time is exactly right. And uh, and the the writing for this year is everyone's going to go crazy for it who likes Curb. Yeah, if you right. like Curb and you know it. All your favorites are going to be there. That's wow. amazing. That's yeah. great. It's so exciting to hear that, and like I said, so exciting to hear the 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 passion behind it. It, it when when it it was announced that you guys were coming back, and you guys all decided to come back. Yeah. Were there any thoughts in your head, like okay, like how are we going to live up to the expectations that people are going to have? Yeah, you know. Uh it wasn't that I that I underestimated our group. Mm-hmm. There, but comedy is very topical. Yeah. Even if it's not on the topics of the day. Yeah. Sure. And a certain kind of style of comedy done a couple years ago might not be the same for the audience, however good it is and even original it is. Mm-hmm. When you bring it back a little bit later, something about time affects. Affects it. Oh, Culture, sure. what happens, how it moves on. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, when our show comes on, it's what's happened around it that makes it either work or not. Almost any comedy show. Yeah. Sure. I mean, you look back at Richard Pryor's sets, and I've, I've had these conversations with other comedian friends of mine where they're not so familiar with what was going on at the time. Mm-hmm. And they see Richard Pryor's sets and going, like, oh, that's just like every comic I see nowadays. It's like, no, no, but you don't understand. <laughs> That didn't exist. Richard yeah. was the first guy he, doing that. Yes. So they're all doing Richard Pryor. Absolutely. And he, so w- when people saw that at the time, it blew them away because it was completely original. Yes. And so, yeah, so then when you look back on it 40 years later, yeah, sure, it sounds like he's he's doing a, like almost a common set on coming yeah. to the stage on BET, but that's because they're all doing impressions of yeah. him. Well, when I, <clears throat> I was in Second City for a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And loved it. I felt, I felt it was probably the, one of the best things I did actually. And then I 
was interested in stand-up. I had seen Lenny Bruce at the Gatorhorn. Wow. And, uh, what was that like? <laughs> well, it, what was interesting about it is I'd heard about him. I had his albums. Uh, New Heart album had just come out. You know, Chicago was always a hotbed for yeah. comedy. It's yeah, not absolutely. just Second City, but everything. Every kind of comedy, yeah. But, um, but I was, uh, you know, I was interested in stand-up. I went to New York. I was very successful at Second City in Chicago. And, uh, you know, the problem that the only thing people could say about me is that I didn't notice another actor on stage ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> so... centered th- from David. Th- that, I mean, that sounds about right. Yeah, that seems perfect for but stand-up. Then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know why you didn't get into I, it sooner. I made for stand-up. <laughs> yeah. so you, we couldn't do that at Second City. <laughs> yeah. but, but I was interested in stand-up. I had seen Lenny. Bruce and the thing about Lenny Bruce that is surprising, uh, having seen him live, is that he was he he was a good-looking guy and very dapper, very dressed, yeah, and sort of a not a suit but whatever hipster beatnik thing was around mm-hmm. at the time, and he was not an aggressive attack on the audience at all. He made it a conversation. He mm-hmm. was just talking to you and giving you the images and improvising off of them in the sort of stream of consciousness style. And, uh, and then he, he, because he started out as a, um, a schlock comedian. He right. was just a, by, not schlock, but by the numbers comedian. He was on an amateur show and even won something there. Take but my wife, time, please, kind of yeah. like. Catskill style it's, comic, yeah, that's what everyone was doing. Yeah, well, and and yeah, before guys like Bruce Carlin, Pryor, like people were just doing, like you, you could interchange the names and the act wouldn't differ. Well, it well, would just kind of be the same thing. Well, Bruce created those other people. You, gotcha. they, they would not be there. Carlin, mm-hmm. George, there is, you know, uh, they're, they're all great. They are, yes. they're all totally original. It's a thumbprint that you mm-hmm. have, and you're all different than somebody else. Yeah, right. But Lenny Bruce broke the pattern in a way that no one had ever broken it. He talked. He didn't care if the audience was offended because he wasn't trying to offend anybody. He was just giving you his point of view. Sure. He played, he opened for jazz musicians, so he had a certain rhythm going like that. Mm-hmm. And he had the ability to do impressions and, and everything that you could ask for. And in fact, uh, you know, the uh, Mayor Daly was after him because he was anti-Catholic in some way just because he was Jewish. <laughs> And, and he wasn't. He was just going on religion all the time. And, uh, and they stopped the show at the Gate of Horn, which had never been done before. The police just stopped him. It wasn't like he said fuck a lot or yeah. words. It was concepts. Yeah. And he was dealing with the Irish uh, police force, force yeah. and the Catholic sort of society that existed. Just, you know, un- uncovering it. They... They said, you can't do the show. They broke up the show. They just stopped the show. Wow. I was just there a week before seeing a version of that. And he always changed his act and he improvised. Anyway, they then stopped him. So he went to court with a lawyer that was a lawyer for Second City. I was just starting Second City. I think his name was Sam Freeberg, something like that. Comedy lawyer. Yeah, that, comedy that, lawyer. That, that's yeah. Some- Coming this fall to ABC, comedy lawyer. <laughs> yeah, but remember at that time, comedy was something that if you if you were a comedian, you mm-hmm. know, and you your girlfriend brought you home, the parents were embarrassed. Oh, uh-huh. wow. yeah. Really? Well, yeah. I mean, and yeah. and one thing that uh, when in doing my research and reading all these old comedy books, 
that uh, something that we don't have to struggle with is that now there's comedy clubs. Yes. Back then there was just a club that wasn't necessarily designed for comedy. wasn't necessarily no. designed for. But it, there, there, there was music one night. There was comedy another night. There was poetry another night. There was. Yeah, there are very few clubs yeah. in the '60s where there was comedy every, every night. Right. Very few clubs. There were yeah. Mr. Kelly's, but the comedians were. Known already, like Jonathan Winters and mm-hmm. uh, Phil Foster, who was a kind of comedian of the yeah. time, and all that. It hadn't broken. Lenny Bruce started to break it, and Second City helped to break it to start to do a, 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 to respect the audience in a different way. Mm-hmm. Be as smart as you want to be, be as uh, cursing as you want to be, language that you you know. Don't be afraid of the audience. Get yourself to be able to express it in this. When they arrested Lenny Bruce, so they had a trial, yeah. and, uh, and this guy, Sam Freeberg, was there, and he invited me to the trial. What? And uh, I, I got there <laughs> Yours late. Yours plus one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I got there late, and basically what Lenny did is he, when he wanted to swear or to be you know, uh, crude or whatever the terms are, he would add a Yiddish word. In other words, Brilliant. yeah, he wouldn't, he wouldn't just say schmuck, he'd say schmuck evata, and that's sort of a Ukrainian version for prick that no one, no one would know. Yeah, that. he'd get in trouble <laughs> yeah. for that. So, yeah. th- so when they arrested him, they played back his act, and his act had a lot of these Yiddish words in it. Mm-hmm. And when they asked him to explain what the Yiddish words were, oh, he said, boy. yeah. yeah. <laughs> This means prick. Yeah. Stop it! Stop it! We oh don't my. Yeah, we get we get it. We now. get it, man. Yeah, and then a lot of it was in Yiddish, like little Yiddish expressions that at least the beatnik and the hippies yeah. knew. Yeah. So they didn't know what his expressions were. They didn't know the Yiddish. They actually got a Yiddish. Counter a Yiddish prosecutor. What? So he can oh, get explain out. what the language was <laughs> that right. he was using. Holy Jeez. shit! At yeah. that point, like, if you're having to bring in a translator to let you to, to tell you what's offensive or what's not, let, let yeah, give it up. Yeah, yeah you, you, you've lost at that point. <laughs> yeah, my God. And don't bring Yiddish is not made for yeah, and, the kind of language. No. Any, I, anyway. I bet he was killing in the courtroom though. I I I, I bet the people with he, just explain these phrases like yeah. he, he didn't have a, he never had a whole audience on his side yeah. ever because he's just pushing the envelope but he liked that right no no one likes it yeah <laughs> no no comedian no likes to be no a minority to to, comedian yeah, yeah for sure mm-hmm. yeah you you want to, to you want to win it over george carlin wasn't trying to uh, separate himself from the audience. He's trying to broaden the audience by saying, well, I have a lot of friends who will like what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And that became his act. And, you know, it's a thumbprint. So you know, everyone has a different one. Yeah. Was it the improvisation and, and conversational style about Lenny that was really appealing to you? Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't because those are both two strong elements in your yeah, comedy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they are. They're strong elements yeah. in mine. And, uh, and, uh, and the impressions and... and yeah. Yeah, I mean, and then I got into trouble in the way that he did. I mean, I had, uh, Nixon sent people to disrupt me because I was really anti-Watergate on stage and very funny about it. What? And this was in, have, I, yeah, this a is guy, in. the same guy would be heckling me everywhere that I went. I would go, I, mostly I was on the colleges. The colleges in those days were the most sort of radical revolutionary. Sure. This is the late 60s? Or, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the early 60s. Okay. 
and uh, it's totally different than than what things are now. Yeah. Now it's conservative and right wing. Yeah. yeah, and now then it were a, you know. A, Communist was the worst thing you could say about liberals in those days. <laughs> and now it's gone completely, like, like you say, the opposite end, where before you, uh, comedians and philosophers and professors would strive to go to these universities to, because it would be a free space where they could yeah. say anything they want. Now, comedians, whether it be Seinfeld or, hell, I've stopped really doing colleges because you mentioned something that they don't like, and then they, then they freak out. It, they they've almost gotten so so yes. liberal that it's gone all the way about the, yes. to to the other side. Yeah, it, it started the other way. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. It's literally and, the opposite of that when it started. And to think you literally had a president <laughs> sending people yeah, to monitor you. Yes, that's a pretty good badge of honor, in my yes. opinion. Yeah, well, they would heckle. You know, they would disrupt <laughs> the act, and that would it, it terrified me. Actually, was that your first taste of really getting? Yeah, well, at Second City, we of the course audience was so friendly. Yeah, mm-hmm. but. I wasn't. I didn't think I was that uh, radical. Yeah. But no one was doing it in a in, in sort of like the comfortable manner that I did. I, I didn't say, "Oh, Nixon's a prick." Yeah. I worked out a piece of material, yeah. of a movie of Nixon and right. like that. And uh, and then I got really popular on the colleges where I was selling out at at, at all the colleges in the country. Again, being totally the opposite of what they are now. Yeah, they were right. liberal mm-hmm. and uh, accused of being communists all the time. It's the worst <laughs> thing that they could say about you. Yeah. And so that, that became my audience. And then it was The Tonight Show that got the Nixon Dirty Tricks people crazed because I was on The Tonight Show a lot. Yeah, uh, uh, 140 I, times. Yes. If people are like, oh, a lot. <laughs> 10 times? 140. Yeah. If you want to play a drinking game at home to get really fucked up, <laughs> take a shout out to Tequila every time yeah. Andy Seinberg was on The Tonight Show. It, well, w- w- well, w- was this the appearance uh, where you said, uh, oh, Nixon's brother? Uh, yes. Yeah, yes. I, I forgot his name. Yeah, uh, Donald. Don- yeah. Yeah, I um, said that... that that it's not it's Donald that's the fuck up <laughs> in the family and now not, it's cut. Yeah. Not, not not Nixon not yeah. Richard Nixon and then I went at that which is not a good way to endear yourself to a president and his family yeah, yeah. sure but they're all but I had uh, you know I was working my material and there were other people working it again George George was starting to really emerge in a very big way. And, Would you run into and, him? And Richard Pryor. We, Richard Pryor was across the street from me at the Cafe Agogo. Yeah. And I was at the bitter end. And yeah. I played to about 17, 20 people. And Richard would play to 30, 40. And we would, Amazing. We, we, we would um, scatter our time so that he could come see what I was doing and I would come see what he was doing. Oh, that's great. And because we were the only people who could help it, help each other because comedy wasn't what it was now. And if you had an audience that was half full, a third full, you were, you were doing good. Wow. And, uh, and then, <clears throat> so he would come to my show, I would come to his. Uh, the Cafe Gogo mostly had like Richard would open for Blood, Sweat, and Tears, you mm. know, all, all the rock acts at yeah. the time. And The Bitter End was more folk music and like that, but rarely was a, a headline, uh, there was a headliner that could fill the house. Ironically, that would have been Woody Allen, mm. uh, more ironically, Cosby, yeah, because they were popular and they could fill up as much. But the rest of us, unless you got on The Tonight Show, mm-hmm. 
and got to Carson in some way, and you you didn't have an outlet. Yeah, and so, and this is back when the Tonight Show was still in New York. It was in New York, You're right? Yeah. I, yeah. I was both in New York, and then I was in L.A. when Carson moved to L.A. Is there something you remember from uh, your exchange with Richard, like when you guys you, – so you would get together after both yeah. shows and maybe what, go to a bar or something and just kind of riff on yeah. each other's uh, – Above the bitter end, yeah. which, were, which the seating of the bitter end might have been just a few hundred people, and the Café Agogo was the blood, sweat, and tears. They pretty much were playing all the time there, and Richard would own for them, and then when they uh, opened for them, and then when they left, he took over. But Richard and I, you know, he would, I, we, we, we would, he would come across and wait for me to finish, and I'd say, how many? He'd say, 17. I said, oh, 17 people. <laughs> <laughs> See, I only have eight. Yeah. You know. I want... Young comics to pay attention to that yeah. sentence when they hear it because I've 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 had open mic guys like oh I don't want to go to that yeah. uh, that, 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 that open mic sucks night. I hear that sentence yeah. that yeah. open mic sucks from someone who's done it nine times I'm like uh, yeah well they're all gonna suck for a while yeah That's- and they're like ah well it, it, it the the other night it only had twelve people well. Yeah. Richard Pryor was happy to have yeah. 17. <laughs> Absolutely. So just think about that the yeah. next time you want to complain about the size of your yeah. audience. And, and, and very frankly, what happened is he, the Café Agogo then went o- only to uh, rock and roll store, rock stars. Mm-hmm. And the Village Gate had jazz musicians, which was literally a half a block away. All this is in the West End, yeah. the, the yeah. Greenwich Village. And Richard had closed off Cafe Agogo and uh, he said, you've got to come see what I'm doing and it was unbelievable because I, I saw him all the time and he was, it was so radical that I was worried. I said, you can't be saying that. You know, and I'm, and I'm the opposite. Yeah, yeah. I, I had, was irreverent beyond belief yeah, to everybody sure. else. And, uh, and then he said, just come see it in a week or so and I saw him a week after he opened at the uh, Village Gate and he was already fully blown. You'd never seen anything like it. Not afraid to attack, though, everybody for the prejudice and the sort of hidden stuff. Oh. That He was amazing. Was there something in particular that stood out to you that you maybe just had that aha moment of like, wow, this guy's making well, it? It, it, it? It wasn't just his ideas. It was He had a charm on stage. Yeah. He wasn't like an aggressive bad guy. No. He was sort of like a, a friend you'd want to have or yeah. a guy playing with toys. And, sure. And... Uh, and uh, and he was aware of the fact that he was uh, going to go this way no matter what, but he never expected it to grow. He mm-hmm. thought, I, this is what I want to be doing, and I'm just going to do that. I mean, where comedy has become such an institution now, people are in it to make money. We weren't making money. We Ima- were surviving. Imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, so you shared some some concerns with him afterwards in your post game analysis of, of like, hey, this is maybe something that's going to get you into trouble. But yeah. he was so set on, well, this is what I'm doing now. Like this is, I think, who absolutely. Richard Pryor is, yeah. and yeah, absolutely. and the people will come to me if they dig it. Yeah. So you once don't. again, what you're saying is you were wrong. <laughs> I, I wrong is my theme. <laughs> well, in that in that case, if you if you ever see me perform, I I I, I hope you hate my act. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would be good for you. <laughs> was there something you remember that stood out that Richard said to you after a set that was really kind of a an aha no, moment? He, he would even say to me, you know, you're going you know, I was going to get in trouble because I was on Nixon so much yeah. and the politics mm-hmm. of the time, and he's and uh, he said that's more dangerous than what I'm doing and it wasn't but uh, 
the the problem that Richard had is the African American audience found it difficult to attach himself to what he was saying. Right. Because at that time you didn't don't say those things mm-hmm. because it was so volatile. You know, it was a race. Wars were still around, and it was scary. Yeah. Scary. Have you been in comedy clubs, uh, obviously, uh, since... Um, every once in a while. Yeah. Every mm-hmm. once in a while. I'll go, if I hear about someone, and someone wants me to hear them, I'll go see Hey, everybody. It's Adam Ray and Brad Williams for the About Last Night podcast. Hey, Brad, I got a question for you. Do you shave? Well, of course I do, Adam. I'm a man. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I'm a Russian Jew, and I've been shaving since I was 12. And recently, I've been trying to find the best quality and most amazing and affordable shave. Well, I found it. DollarShaveClub.com is the answer. And to prove how amazing their shave really is, right now, they're going to give you, that's right, you, your first month free when you join the club. But don't take my word for it. Listen to Michael Caine. Hey, listen, everyone. DollarShaveClub.com delivers amazing razors right to my front door for a third of the price. Wait, a third of a third. Ugh, I can't do it in the Michael Caine accent. <laughs> for a third of the price of what the greedy razor corporations charge you. Hey, it's Tony Danza, and look, I also have no reason to deal with the drugstore hassle and battle the locked-up razor fortress ever again. And neither will you when you join the Dollar Shave Club. All you gotta do, go to dollarshaveclub.com and pick a razor that works for you from their lineup of amazing blades. That's all there is to it. What about you, Jason Statham? Well, I get a first-class shave whenever I use the executive blade. And when I use it, along with the Dr. Carver's Easy Shave Butter, the blade just gently glides for the smoothest shave ever. Look, it's awesome, it's easy, and with Dollar Shave Club, you can look, smell, and shave like a million bucks without paying for it. And ladies, this is not just for guys. Dollar Shave Club is also for women. We know you shave, too. You got to shave your legs, your arms, maybe your mustache. Listen, we're not judging. Not judging, Not Grandma. judging. Not we're judging. glad you do it. Shave it. We're glad you do it. Here's your chance to see why over 3 million members like me, Brad, Jason Statham, Michael Kang, Grandma with the Mustache, all love Dollar Shave Club. It's so easy, too. And they're so confident in the quality of all their products. Now you can get your first month of the club for free. For free. All you got to do is pay shipping. And after that, it's just a few bucks a month. Just a couple of bucks. No long-term commitment. No hidden fees. There's really no reason not to do it. Can you think of a reason? Nope. That's right. There's no reason. That's why I said you can't think of one. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash last night to get your first month for free. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash last night. And start living the smooth life, baby. Do you ever get the itch to go back up there? Uh, yeah, I, I do. You know, I, I managed to find... I've got about an hour and ten minutes of a one-man show because it's so uh, easy for me to talk about myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, for I could delve I mean, into this, yeah. delve yeah. into that, and if they're willing to listen to it, that's... A, I'm going to do a... I'm Canadian. I, yes. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I'm doing a, a, a one-man show for a Canadian uh, benefit. Oh, nice. And they're here in Palm Springs. Oh, great. So uh, mostly they're not going to be excited about me. They're going to be excited that there's no snow. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Double bonus. Yeah. Is there something, though, when you've popped into the comedy clubs in the recent years that you really – that I don't know, that you noticed that was uh, vastly different from, from when uh, – well, it's, you jamming. it's, uh, it, it's so popular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like sort of like jazz. Jazz was a very isolated group of people like jazz. Sort of like that's where the beatniks came. And, sure. 
and uh, and comedy in the, at Second City we we had an audience. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was in the second or third company, and uh, Alan Arkin and Mike Nichols, and Jeez. they made they had already been there and right. started okay. to. To, to sort of uh, who was in uh, your second city class that uh, people Robert may know? Klein right? and Fred Willard. Nice. Oh, uh, Fred Willard. Fred, I just worked with Fred Willard on mascots. Yeah. yeah oh, I, really? He's adorable. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's the funniest, so, funniest, weirdest <laughs> person ever. Yeah. He's adorable. He's not as a person. <laughs> a, a as a person, he's absolutely deplorable. But yeah. his comedy, no. uh, and, and he and Klein, he and Robert, yeah. they were, they, they were. Incredible chemistry together. It was uh, great. It was such an honor uh, to do a, to do a scene with him, and He's wonderful. And yeah. just his the little instruction I got from Christopher Guest was okay. You're going to be looking for something. He's going to start asking you embarrassing questions and go. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and and that was it. And then and then to have. It took me a second because there were times when I just wanted to like stop cameras and be like, "Does, there, does everyone see this? Yeah. Does everyone see that? <laughs> yeah. I'm in a scene with Fred Willard. This is this is yeah. unbelievable." But you have to just stay in that moment, and uh, yeah, it was. We we created all of that for, uh, <sighs> at Second City. That was <clears throat> Paul Sills directing us, and it was not to go for a joke, but go for an honest moment. Yes, and of course you're going to be funny if you're there anyway. Yeah, because it was just a small group. Yeah, and so many people think when they first sort of start to get into improv or scene work is that, oh, I've got to have the funniest line. I've I've got to have this line that makes the scene. And and you find out after doing it for a while, you're like, no, that's not what you do. No, it's about about listening. Yes. Listen to the audience and listen to what the other person's saying to you. Yeah, and then if you listen well enough and then you remain true to whatever your character is or your scene, that's where the laughs come. Not the yeah. not the one line that maybe gets a laugh but then stops the scene short. Yeah. And then now – and then all that was created, you said, like at Second City because Saturday Night Live didn't exist. No. The, Sat- there would yeah. be no uh, Saturday Night Live if there wasn't a Second City. Wow. And uh, all, all that Saturday Night Live was was – a moneyed version of Second City. Second City, instead of staying in Chicago and mm-hmm. just playing live, they, they, an incredible group of talented people came. Yeah. But Lauren Michaels got most everyone from Second City. Yeah. But uh, and and then he had the brains to at, in uh, and the and the talent to be able to organize it and work with NBC. Mm-hmm. He quit a few times. Mm-hmm. And because NBC wasn't letting him do what he wanted to do, right? And Famously in the eighties, yeah. Yeah, you know, just eventually formulated. And uh, Carson, who I was on all the time, uh, wasn't crazy about Saturday Night Live. He didn't, oh, really? He didn't think it was funny enough and uh, satirical enough. And interesting, yeah, because it wasn't necessarily competition for him. No, no, no. He didn't. He wasn't hostile and angry about it. Yeah. But he just didn't. He thought God, all these young people and all that. It could be funnier. It could yeah. be better. And do you well, think that's one thing? Uh, one reasons why you're on so much too. Like you talk about being a good listener. Like you and you're you know famously known for you you know being able to converse with him so effortlessly. Yes, I. I was that kind of instantaneous with you guys? Always. Always. Yeah. I, Had you met him prior to doing the show? Uh, when I, yeah, I I hosted the show a lot. Right. Um. And I did the show a lot. So when I was doing the show, Peter LaSalle, who was executive producer and one of my and Robin's closest friends, uh, I would have lunch with 
uh, with Peter and with Johnny. We were in the commissary in Burbank. Mm-hmm. And we'd laugh and we'd carry on, and then I'd go on, on the air, and the energy wasn't as good as it was at lunch. Oh, man. And uh, and Peter LaSalle said, you, you guys can't have lunch the day of the show. <laughs> You're wasting all the goods. And, uh, and he was right. Wow. Well, well, I mean, so we didn't talk before the show. He yeah. knew what I would give him the subject, and he wouldn't know where the subject's going. And, and the reason I was on The Tonight Show so much is I didn't, I, I, I don't, the, the wrong word is allow. I wanted him to participate in what I was saying. Right. If I set up the premise, and mm-hmm. I have, it's premise is A, and I've got B, C, D, I know I, I can go all over the place. Yes. Mm-hmm. Never having said it before, but I knew I had planned to do it. But I wanted him in the conversation. And when he jumped in, he didn't like that at first mm-hmm. because he didn't have the paper to say what I, you know, what yeah. the subject was. <laughs> but once he jumped in, I was very funny with him. And then he got really funny with me because the audience is crazy. They see, they don't know that it's improvised, but it right. feels something yeah. new. And that became the pattern, and that's why I did the show so many times. That's amazing. Because and it was about him. He was able to insert himself and find uh, a different energy with you than maybe if I didn't. Guests. If yeah. I didn't involve him, I wow. always felt uh, it was I didn't do and the right thing. Could you just feel that in the studio too? I mean, like that's Absolutely. those moments that were just like yeah, the so- audience is going crazy because they hear us. Because it's also so we're improvising. Mm-hmm. He knows what the subject is going to be. And just gets me there, and then he doesn't know what I'm going to say, and he could jump in wherever he wants. Wow! And yeah. But so that's he's still comfortable with me, and yeah, hours. yeah. But and but that creates like we we're kind of talking about earlier those honest moments. Like now, yeah. I, I watch a lot of late night shows, and it's just okay. So the host asks Will, Will Smith, so you were gardening recently. And then Will goes into the story that he's already yes. pre-produced and gone over with a couple of writers. And like, and then that's just – you don't get those real yeah. honest comedy moments when when you have it too scripted. And that's the thing that I love the most about improv, whether it be yeah. an interview or whether it yeah. be an improv comedy show where it's just – you you never know where it's going to go, and the and the performers can sometimes even shock themselves. Yeah, see, that's <laughs> jazz. That's where the jazz musicianship came and was parallel to the kind of comedy we were trying to do. Mm-hmm. They would get a melody, a melody that everyone knew, yeah. and then they would just take off. Yeah, literally. I hate to say this because I'm sick of the word. They would riff. On it. <laughs> you hate that word, huh? The, if I walk down the street in Beverly Hill one more time and have some Jewish guy stop me and say, "Oh, oh Mr. Steinberg, you know my son. He's he he he, he was riffing at the Pesach table." Oh God! And uh, oh, you know God. when he asked the four questions, he had eight questions, and I, I don't know whatever they're saying. Because well, because once I say riff, you just Tune out. I, I really, yeah. uh, it, speaking it, of Pesach, by the way, uh, yes. I am also a member of the tribe. Even uh-huh. though Ray is not a Jewish last name, but my, I'm from my mom's side, Russian uh-huh. Jew. Yeah. Uh, and I heard a story that uh, it was you. I don't know if this was like your first um, taste of performing or comedy, but it was per- telling the story of Purim, right? Yes, it did. at a family. It, it, yeah, in, yeah, in Winnipeg, in yeah. Canada. Uh, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah, so you I, made I was it like 11 years old, and I said yes, and and then. Uh, and then they, I, I was obviously just t- making up my own version of the Purim story. <laughs> of course, that's said, the best way to do it. And then they didn't know what to do, so they hung Haman. <laughs> <laughs> 
If I was Jewish, I'm sure that would be killer right now. I have no idea who Haman is. The bad guy. Uh, just another bad guy. Yeah. All right. We Jews, we have bad guys yeah. all over history. Yeah. In the way that you really do. Uh, 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 my roommate in college, uh, uh, who's Jewish, said, "Here's every Jewish holiday. They tried to kill us. They, we survived. Let's eat." Yeah. <laughs> that's that's it. That's every. And I go, okay. It's like a great religion. Yeah. I and I go, that's about. that sounds fantastic to me. I, I don't. I don't get why everyone's not on board with this thing. Yeah. yeah. But I would get into trouble for things that I didn't think I would get into trouble for. Like on the Tonight Show, Carson would always ask about my dad. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, my dad, once, once I said, this, this got the most controversy for me. <laughs> my dad believed that, uh, he wasn't a prejudiced guy, but he, he believed that Gentiles sell their children for whiskey. <laughs> Wait, he found out? <laughs> <laughs> and I, it's obviously an exaggerated yes. and a big... Sure. Oh, my God. It, the mail that came in. Wow. Yeah, not the way it... You know, people just went crazy. How did, we, they, they, everyone knows. We're vodka people. <laughs> Whiskey. But, it, but it, no one was dealing with that kind of subject. But yeah. being so... Coming from such a traditionally Jewish family, not really, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. not even keeping the Shabbat, but my father ran the shul, a little shul in Winnipeg. Wow. And, 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 uh, and I, I explored all that stuff. Would you ever have a, um, overly cautious just apprehensions before you were maybe going to say something on TV that you thought could be controversial? Were you like, have any sort of interpretations of like, um, maybe don't do that because of all the, the mail that's going to come my way? <laughs> Well, you can't you can't say that to yourself, Adam. That's that's the that's the difference between being a comedian yeah. and not being a comedian. Right. You mm-hmm. have to just if I think this is worthwhile, and also it just can't be funny. It has to have a point of view right. that matters in some way, at least to you, to you, right. the performer. So no, I wasn't afraid. I, I I knew that this would be a little you know much for the audience. But if it was witty enough and you got a laugh and you could move them in some way, yeah. that was most exciting thing. Because that's how you continue to hone your voice, right? It's continuing yeah, to take chances and risks on things that you believe in to be funny. And, and yeah. like you said, the point of view, which I think is really important for me with stand up, that was what I, people kept harping on to me. They were like, you, "You're saying things that." sound funny to you but like where's the emotional connection and where's the point of view and i was like well i feel and then i would try to have them but then as you find you know it's really time and doing it so much where you start to develop and living a life to where you have perspectives about things yes and it'll come to you if you wait for it it's not easy to do that yeah and then but you have to keep on uh putting yourself in front of audiences and uh and they guide you they'll guide you yeah it's such a weird industry where the only way to get better at this job or comedy in general is just to do it like you you can't uh, i i have people ask me they go oh so do you practice your bits in front of a mirror and i go well, no. Why? Why would I do that? Yeah. Like, because yeah. then there's no audience there to. to First to, of all, I have to stand me. on the counter. Yeah, the mirror is so damn high. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, and then, but but then there, there's no feedback. So yeah. the the yeah. only way to get better is to go yeah. on stage. It's better. Uh, it's a bet. It's better, Brad, if you're starting out to be failing rather than get some instant success because that'll Mm -hmm. give you a false confidence. It's about failing and figuring out, okay, why didn't that work? How do I make this better? And all of that. So failure in a piece of material is not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. You just have to cover it with a good piece right after it 
and that way you sort of figure out how to do it. Were there ever? Oh, I'm sorry. Were there ever appearances on uh, the Tonight Show where you and Johnny shared maybe a moment after something like during commercial, like, all right, well, that was that we went a little off course and 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 didn't to- totally find what maybe we thought we would. And then on the flip side, was there something where you just looked at each other, were like, holy shit, that was I can't believe we well, just. Well, yeah, Carson would say to me, you know, you you, you might have gone a, a little far on this one. Yeah. And, and, uh, and Nixon doesn't have a face that looks like a foot. <laughs> Well, that's arguable. I mean, yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> it, it, it's it, it's so funny that uh, like you in seeing all the you were obviously a famous critic of Nixon. Could you imagine uh, being in going up and doing stand up and doing this night show and with the current political climate that we have? Yeah, like like back in the days of Nixon. He, like the worst thing that the guy did was record some people who didn't want to be recorded. Yes. Like now, and the, the people aren't even elected, and they're saying some yeah. of these things. Yeah, it's 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 so different now than it. First of all, now you can say anything. Yeah. And you don't get sued. You don't. You you, you won't lose a show. Sure. By saying the wrong thing. In my day, you could lose a show. Yeah. By going too far, and you never know when you're going too far as a comedian or the comedy writers, but. There were shows that were amazingly, brilliantly funny mm-hmm. that didn't have to be volatile and political. Uh, you watched The Odd Couple to this day, the Tony Randall. Mm-hmm. The original version. The original not version. Not Matthew Perry and no, Thomas no, Lennon. No, no. The original Odd yeah, Couple. Yeah, that Odd Couple. Every, every show is, is spectacular. Yeah. I, I did a show because they wanted... They wanted Felix, Tony Randall, to be on The Tonight Show. That was what the theme of the show. Oh, nice. Harry Marshall wrote. And, uh, and Johnny was unavailable. So I was the guest host because at that time I was, that <laughs> yeah. was, my, I was filling in for Johnny all the there time. There you go. And, uh, and Tony Randall came on as we were rehearsing. This is when not doing The Tonight Show yet mm-hmm. that we were doing within The Odd Couple. Sure. And all he did was talk about what a slob... Jack Klugman was, and he had his little lines written out, yeah. like mm. a comedian. And, all <laughs> <of that. laughs> and then said, and then he brought me home. And he said he was so excited to to talk to Jack Klugman. He said, you know, David's coming over, <laughs> and you know, he's not Carson, but he's big like Carson, <laughs> the way yeah. Tony Randall was. Oh yeah, it's great. And then uh, and then we later on in the show. I am the guest host, and Tony does come on, and he's rehearsed with me what he's going to oh, say, and he blanks at everything. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and he doesn't know he doesn't know what to do, and I and I, I we didn't imp- improvise past this moment, so I thought the AD is going to call her, you know, cut. Yeah. And then Tony, we had like a set like the Tonight Show. He leaned back on his chair, and the chair started to tip over, <laughs> and I grabbed his foot. Holy shit! As he and and he, I put the foot down, and he just blabbed on, <laughs> and it became the literally the favorite show of all the odd couples. So oh, every that's night, incredible! Tony doing and one and once again an improvised moment. I've been improvised and so improvised, an honest moment because you might think to yourself, "Oh, we'll let him fall, do a do a do a do a do a prat fall." Yeah, but that's not what you, David Steinberg, would do in that scenario. You would try to. Stop him! Of course, yeah. I grabbed his foot. Yeah, <laughs> I mean his, his Nixon face. Yeah. Uh, is there anything comparable to uh, hosting the Tonight Show? Like that feeling and that energy and uh, everything that goes into it. The the hardest thing to do. Yeah, 
<clears throat> the hard thing is the monologue because the you know Johnny's monologues weren't always great. You know they were always written. Mm-hmm. They tried to make it the best. So Johnny became well known for commenting on what wasn't working. Yeah, of his. he could turn a bad joke into a good line. one. Yeah, he'd just yeah. look look a certain way and all of that. So, um, what was the question? Just the just the over just the the prep the feeling the energy oh. of of coming out and hosting and and oh, I don't even have the, oh, the nerves going into oh, the first it's, one. It's scary. Yeah, it's scary because you have to do the monologue is the hardest thing to do. Right. Once you finish with the monologue, good or bad, you're relieved. Yeah. And then you sit down and then you ask questions of the guest. And sure. They, and you know what they're. Their territory. Yeah, then you're gonna then, then you're gonna talk to Burt Reynolds, yeah, and exactly. okay, you could do that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Brad, what's going on, Adam? I got some exciting news. Holy crap! They're making a Mighty Ducks four. <laughs> no, but now I'm just really upset that they're not. Oh, they should. Uh, Brad and I are back doing exclusive episodes of the About Last Night podcast on TuneIn. That's right, and these are episodes with just Adam and myself. Uh, no guests, just us hanging out, uh, shooting the shit, updating you on our lives, and being, and mo- most importantly, being funny. Yeah, the OG, the OG way, the, the way this podcast got started. We took a little break, but we are back doing exclusive episodes, just Brad and Adam. Uh, and you can get these episodes where, Brad? You can get these exclusive episodes on the TuneIn app. That's Woo. right. Just download the TuneIn app. Uh, TuneIn spelled T-U... T-U... T-U what? <laughs> T-U-N-E-I-N. Download that TuneIn app. Type in About Last Night, and you can get these exclusive episodes. And remember, they're only on TuneIn. They yeah. are not available on iTunes, our website, or anywhere else. Just TuneIn. That's why it's special. That's why it's exclusive. And now continue to enjoy this amazing episode of the About Last Night podcast with me, Adam Ray. And me, Brad Williams. <laughs> yeah, in, in fact, uh, I'm trying to think of who it was. Oh, it was David Fry, who was an v- amazing impressionist. Mm-hmm. And I think he did Gerald Ford and Nixon. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and Freddie DeCordova was the uh, executive producer. And he said to me, look, you've got a very good show. Improvise, have a good time. The monologue's good. You know, very, they were all very encouraging. He said, but, and David Fry is going to do his... Nixon, I, I think that's what it was. You're going, you're going to do his Nixon. And, but with David Fry, because he's preparing and thinking and all of that, mm-hmm. he said, don't ask him any other questions except about Nixon. Don't ask him anything else because that's all he's prepared to do and all of that. Okay. So I said, fine, I'm doing the show. And, uh, and uh, David Fry comes on. I say, wonderful comedian. You're all going to like it. And I'm, I'm ready to say... I'm ready to go to Nixon. Yeah. And I say, I say, Dave, uh, David, how how you doing? And he says, what's how you doing? What is this how you doing? Oh, and I, I realized, I said, how do you think Nixon's doing? <laughs> how are you doing? And how is Nixon doing? <laughs> and, he he Nixon and then he went into the Nixon. Uh, yeah. And he was like an amazing impressionist. But he was so focused. He blanked on how you doing. <laughs> it wasn't an improvisation. He, he can't even say fine. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, yeah. you know yeah. who's not doing fine? Yeah, Richard yeah, Nixon. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, he, oh, he, but his act was spectacular. Sure. He was really funny, but yes, that was. That was, <laughs> was like, I felt my heart leaping. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was so scary. Were, were you um, around, or did you see the episodes? Obviously, like. Jim Carrey and when Robin came by for the first time like do you remember seeing I I saw it in reruns right yeah mm-hmm. you know uh, Robin 
uh, Robin Williams and my Robin, who I'm married to, uh, we went on tour the last year of his life. So no kidding. It was, it was Robin and me on stage together. Wow. To big audiences, and he would ask me, you know, and he, it was, uh, we treasure it so much now, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and Robin, Robin Williams was, what people, what people saw in him was his soul. He was lovely. He was the helpful person. He, he was just wonderful. That's all wonderful. I've heard from anybody. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. No one would have anything to say but that. And seeing him every night and having him improvise every night and having him push me into it when sure. the audience is mostly there to see him. And, yeah, well, were yeah. there some uh, special moments of just maybe uh, where you would sit back and be watching? I'm sure every night, but we were sitting back and watching and just as an audience member, and then you're like, oh, shit, that's right, I'm up here too. I need to be <laughs> well, involved. You, you can't you have, you, because you, you're connected yeah. to guiding the person. Yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, it was a, a special, special to us. Well, when you had him on uh, sit-down comedy, which, yeah. um, you know, Brett and I have seen, it, it's... Yeah. That is like one of the greatest. You're so good with people and comedians, especially, and to have people on that respect and adore you so much, and then to have your your banter. It's just like it's a perfect show. Oh, thank and you. And that episode with you and Robin, I can't yeah. only imagine then seeing that oh, night in and night yeah. out with the live show. And, yeah. and I matched him at that time with Jonathan Winters, yes. who was his mentor. Yeah. yeah. And now they're both gone. Oh. And and again, Robin would go to check on uh, Jonathan Winters in Santa Barbara. Yeah. And make sure he's got everything that he needs and all that mm-hmm. stuff. The, you know the the sort of myth of comedy, especially stand-up comedians, is that's hostile and nasty, and uh, you know don't go there. And it's not that. It's, it's not, not that. right. Like I even uh, I mean you. Um, I think it was maybe your parents in um, Quality Balls. Yes, uh, which is incredible. I oh. recommend everybody go see yes, it. Yes, that's oh. the. Uh, he's not saying quality balls uh, it's, it's not an item on a menu it's not a porn he rented it's uh no the the, the uh movie about you yes it's with seinfeld in describing me made a gesture with his hands and yeah said, david had quality balls so, so incredible they made that there they made that the it's a perfect title yeah and uh, yeah and by, and by the way that movie wasn't made by you you didn't like no. you didn't make no. the movie as 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 sort of a celebration of yourself no this this is other people, legends in yeah. comedy that all came together and said Incredible. that made the movie about you. Yeah. But and one of the things that I'm talking about, um, I think it was your folks who were saying how just fun and likable as a kid you were and how many friends you had. Yeah. And so I was like, yes, yeah, like people don't have to. And I, was yeah. that pretty consistent where you yes. came from? Your, your journey into comedy wasn't no. dark and no. dismal. Yeah. No, it wasn't dark and dismal. But you need an outsider. Yes. It, you need to be a, a, a little bit of a, a lot of an outsider in some way right. to find your thumbprint as a comedian, mm-hmm. and I, I had that like everyone does. And you have to explore that, and that will be the the sort of line, the character drawn that you will fall back on all the time. What was your outsider thing that you tapped into that you were like, all right, well, this is what's making me a little separate well, me from the pack. <laughs> I um my my outside other than being well endowed we, which we've, <laughs> we've read your blogs yeah. and seen the uh, pictures in the hallway when we walked into your home I want them back so <laughs> I, they're the only ones yeah. I've got uh, um my my outsider thing was I always was on the outside of <clears throat> of even big social things I was mm-hmm. always a little bit of a not quite a loner I liked people a lot but 
you didn't want to have stopping chats. Well, yeah. I mean, the way I was at the University of Chicago and I left the program and just audited the classes and got on stage there. And that's how I found, you know, my comedy bearings. Oh, wow. So I was always on the out. I wasn't afraid of being an outsider. I wasn't like I liked it and wanted Mm -hmm. it. But uh, it was a part of me. Now, you've essentially done something that I can't imagine myself doing or uh, a lot of other comedians where... I don't want to say you stepped away from stand-up, but you, but you certainly do it less now yes. and less in the yeah. past years uh, than you did maybe from the 60s to the 80s. Yeah. Uh, how did you sort because you start because you started directing people? Yeah. Was there a moment where you kind of went, oh, this is what I'm going to do now? Or did it just you kept getting jobs and well, you had less and less time for it? Well, you know what, Brad? I never, ever thought I was leaving it mm-hmm. when I started directing. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that directing was going to take off. I, I, it's, so long as it was comedy, I was happy with any version of mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So I directed Mad About You with the Paul Reiser, a great comedian. Hal yeah. Hunt, they were all great. Yeah, by the way, that's one of the greatest shows of all time. It's so underrated. It's so yeah. underrated. Yeah. My, I mean, every time I go home to Seattle... Uh, my mom and I, there's a handful of things we will just like rerun, rerun and watch, like a lot of old movies because she's a big yeah. uh, old uh, movie person. Uh, You've Got Mail because that's like her favorite movie. Yeah. And reruns of Mad About You because yeah. it's so good. So good. The timing, the, uh, the, everything. The, everything. Yeah, Helen so. Hunt and Paul Reiser, they're major comedy people. Yeah. It's how they throw away a line. It's, un- it's unbelievable. And the writers were great. How did you yeah. get that gig? Well, uh, Paul Paul Reiser and I knew each other from stand up. Oh man. And he was so happy that I was you know going to direct and I had directed a few things. I think I had I, mean, I directed Designing Women after that, but I think Mad About You was the I was there for years doing yeah. that. And, and and so we, yeah. we you form a community. So there's sure. nothing better than every week you're doing a show. Everything every week you're working on it. You go home at night and your your bed is supposed to stand up. Yeah. A hotel room. Yeah, the schedule is definitely more conducive for a normal yeah. person. Yeah, and, and 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 you've got Paul Reiser, major comedy mind and mm-hmm. comedian, and Helen could do everything, and that's why that Jeff Garland came to uh, from Chicago to yeah. L.A. and he he knew me a little bit from Second City, and uh, he. He got the job before I even got there that day. Oh, wow. And so I directed him. We became friends. And <laughs> How collaborative was that whole set and just the very, writing? Very, and, yeah. very. I mean, the writing was, the writer, like in Seinfeld, the writers were there all night. Which you also directed a few. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, if, if, if you're sitting back on David Steinberg, I don't know if I would know that name from sh- movies or something. Uh, okay, you directed episodes of... Friends, Seinfeld, Mad About You, New Heart. Yeah. yeah. New Heart for two years. That's New Heart. Incredible. Yeah. That one for oh, me is just... The most fun person in the whole world. God. Bob, Bob New Heart. And I, I'm so mad at myself that I haven't gone to see him on tour because he's still yeah. touring. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah. yeah. He's amazing. And But you see him on late night shows still. He'll, he'll still come on. Still sharp as a tack. Yeah. And just the... Yeah. I, I don't know if he invented deadpan humor, but he certainly mastered it. Yeah. Oh, he's great. We, uh, Robin has given me a surprise party last year or whatever it was, and Bob Newhart was at that chair. Rickles was over there. What? Oh. And uh, 
Bob Saget. What? Yeah. Oh, it was unbelievable. Mel Brooks? Comedians. Yeah. <laughs> Mel, yeah. Oh, my God. I, I did a show with Mel at the Wallace Theater here, the two of us. No kidding? Yeah. And he didn't want to go over anything which I was fine with. Uh, but he couldn't get over how many stories I had. Now, fast, <laughs> that's the last time I'm not going to find out if the guy next to me is as funny as I am. Something like a very yeah. complimentary. But Mel was unbelievable. What was the show? You guys just. Just the two of us talking on to a full house at, you know, it's a big theater. You could do that every night. <laughs> yeah. Right? I yeah. Did, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just. I, I mean, did it with Larry David. Yeah, I did it with Robin. Yeah. It's, it's great. Hanging out with your friends. Yeah. Why yeah. not? It, yeah. Are there. I mean, the, the, I mean, the, the, the names you just. I want to know real quick, though. What's. I mean, without yeah. like, you know, that's a very like private thing that you shouldn't be like, sh- you know, get to that point and be invited to the table and then you can know it was being discussed. But like, like, can oh, you give us some insight into like just oh, that? Just being there. Newhart would tell a story. And, yeah. And uh, Rickles would say, David, David, has anyone understood a word you've ever said? <laughs> I mean, anybody, really, just names like a one, because they're paying a lot of money for something that I don't get. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, like, it was like that. And, and, uh, and it's very sweet. It's a, gr- it's a very, uh, un- unlike the word on comedians, they've got to be crazy and drugged and mm-hmm. all of that. A lot of that happens, but... Uh, now, how does Saget find his way into that uh, group? He's a friend of ours. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a adorable person. Yeah, the and sweetest. Fun and, a, and a generous person. He helps so many people. Yep. Scleroderma yeah. Foundation that yeah. that he uh, that he has the dinners for, and I, I see you have his book right there on your in, in your Dirty library, Daddy. Dirty Daddy. Yeah. Oh yes. And, uh, <laughs> yes. It, do you ever get even now? Do you still? Like if you see a table of Bob Newhart and Don Rickles and Bob Saget, it, 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 to you is that normal or do you? No, it feels wonderful. It feels wonderful. I, I, I can't. I'm. I never take it for granted. That's, ever, ever take it for granted. That's so great to when hear. Robin said, "I'm going to call Don and uh, they're going." I said, "Don't, don't bother them again. <laughs> they're not going to want to come over." They yeah. Heard. And everyone shows up. We're all friends. Do you ever think about just throwing a wild card and saving one seat and like inviting like a rent like Mario Lopez and just seeing how he <laughs> seeing how he adapts to the group and just do like that's a show. Just call it like you know yeah. table for one. Yeah. On the outside that's a exactly. true outsider. See yeah. non comedy yeah. legend. Yeah. Elijah's coming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not Jewish, but I got that. <laughs> yeah, good. I got hey, that one. That's, that's good enough, Brad. Yeah. That's really good. So let me ask you guys something. Are you spending the night here tonight? Yeah, all right, all right. We'll wrap yeah. this up. Can yeah. we do about five more minutes? Is that sure? Yeah. Of okay. Yeah. Right. I, mean, I mean, I was about I mean, to say. I didn't. Once we got to that, I was about to say, can we do ten more minutes? So I mean, we'll wrap this up in five. Robin, but now that you've asked, yes, I did see yeah. a, a little doggy thing that yeah. Brad can have. But like, but will, yeah, Robin's on the dog bed right now. I just assumed that's where I was sleeping. <laughs> I could fit there. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. I, I, I'm, I'm just glad you're a dog that is a very uh, large, uh, large poodle. Lar- Izzy. Yeah, Izzy. Izzy. Um, I'm, I'm glad she didn't uh, look at me and think that I squeak when you bite me, because uh, I would have no, no chance. That would have been terrible. Brad has had more face-offs with dogs on the street than you would think are possible. You wouldn't believe uh, how tenacious some pugs are. <laughs> That's literally why the word pugnacious is true. Exactly. Yeah, it's insane. Um, I want to know before we wrap up a few sure. more curb questions. How do you direct Larry David? How or, do I, Larry David? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a discussion. Yeah. We talk about everything. He's, he'll say he knows what I don't like and what I do like. Right. And he'll say, I'm going to do something that you won't like, but I just want to, I just want to, you know, <laughs> of course, that. Do Larry, yeah. His instinct is 
a thousand percent better than mine about right. himself and everything. Uh, and this, what's interesting about Larry is that he's on the set, mm-hmm. and it's all you know, it's all a Larry David story all the time, and yet he's aware of how everyone else should be at the same time. Mm. So, I mean, that's why I direct so much of them is because we've come through this together for so many years. But, um, yeah, Larry David, Jerry Seinfeld, they're, to me, in the comedy genius category. Yeah, I would say so. Both of them. Uh, Remember, Jerry is a writer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all comedians are writers. Yes, you know, Most have people to be. don't know that. Mm-hmm. It's all about writing. It's all about creating it and being interesting and finding new things and all of that. So, yeah. how, how different were the sets, uh, are the sets of Curb versus Seinfeld? Well, Seinfeld was younger and just starting out. Uh, Curb was looser, um, just, just in general, looser. And, uh, and bo- both shows were... I mean, Jerry is a, an amazing writer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Larry's an amazing writer. So already you've got two of the best yeah. gunfighters in town. Yeah. So you're going to have a good show. But when I was directing Seinfeld, uh, we were on the Radford lot, which is one of my favorite lots here in town. And uh, that's where I shot Newhart. Mm. And that's where I, we, we did... Uh, we didn't do Curb there, but Mad About You, all yeah. the mm-hmm. shows. My first TV job was there, according to Jim, oh, really? 2007. <laughs> Jim. Drink four if you're playing the yeah. Adam Brings Up His First TV Credit <laughs> game at home. Yeah, uh, Great, great lot. Uh, but uh, um, so so we were on, I forget what I was, what was I saying about the lot? Uh, Lead me to it. Yeah, you were, oh, you, were on, you were on that lot. It was uh, the difference oh, between oh, so Friends and Seinfeld. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we were... So we're doing Seinfeld on that lot. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was a small lot by comparison to what it is now. Yeah. Now it's larger, but still an intimate lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a director, you're there a lot. You're there first. You're usually there last. And I would leave the set. And the, all of the MTM lot, which are tons of shows, mm-hmm. Newhart, oh, they're being all shot at the same time. There would be no cars there except mm-hmm. for me driving away and Jerry Seinfeld's car and Larry David's car. And wow. they were writing, and it was midnight. I would hear those stories. They would just stay all night. And they would stay all night, be tired. I would push off the show, and it was about the writing. They never, never stopped writing. Jerry is one of those comic geniuses, and Larry is certainly. Uh, wow. I was going to ask for some sort of last piece, because we have, we have a lot of uh, young comedians that listen to this, yeah. and I was going to say if there's one parting piece of advice, but I mean, that sounds, in just everything we've discussed, it seems yes. like be willing to put in all the work necessary and give yourself over to this, and listening, yes. and oh, go ahead. Work, work harder. Work not, harder, yeah. You can always work, work harder. Hard. Yeah. Work harder. I'm a big advocate of that. Like yeah. I, I feel like, and you know, sometimes it's, I don't want to say crippling, but like, you know, it's, you can get sleep deprived or exhausted where it's like, I always operate from this place of there's always more I could be doing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think you have tonight, go back at it and just keep working at it. Yeah. Love it. Um, this has been incredible. Yeah. Great. Um, thank, thank you, you so much for having us in your home. Thanks. And Brad, Adam, thank you. I enjoyed talking to you. Thank you. And we will take you up on the offer to spend the night, especially because I just saw your liquor cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, David.
for listening to the About Last Night podcast with Brad Williams and Adam Ray. Boy, they're a lot of fun, huh? Why don't you subscribe on iTunes to this fucking podcast, give them a five-star rating so this midget and this Jew can feel good about themselves for a couple minutes. Also, get on your iPhone or Android and get the podcast app. You can also listen to it on Stitcher or aboutlastnightpodcast.com, where you can hear past episodes with great guests like Lisa Kudrow, Paul Feig, Kevin Nealon, Bob Saget, Dion Cole, Chris D'Elia, Adam Devine, Michael McDonald, Jaleel White, Bud Friedman, Steve-O, Harlan Williams, Tom Arnold, Ron Funches, Rick Glassman, Blake Anderson, Anders Holm, Jessamay Peluso, Joey McIntyre, and many, many more. I'm Tony Danza. Thanks for listening to the About Last Night podcast. Good night. That's it, right? You got it? Sweet. Boy, it smells good in that booth, by the way. What kind of candle is that? Hanukkah Willow? <laughs> nice. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.